Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 29. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by fellow scouts, Sam Ehrman and Matt Nine. Today on the show, we are going to discuss the Cowboys offense, the rookie quarterback landscape, how good the Cardinals offense is, and then we're going to play a little bit of fact or fiction and tell you if we're buying into some of these hot starts or slow starts for players We have a four-week sample size now heading into week five, so now's the time to be ahead of the curve on some of these guys that we're we're buying in on or we're selling. But before we get into the show, remember to head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Sign up if you're not already, Um, and if you're just unsure yet, head on over to ffballallday.com, sample some of our content there, and sign up uh, for our Patreon. Also, while you're here... Go ahead and like our podcast, five stars, preferably. Give it a review. Let us know how you feel. Even shoot us a DM on Twitter. Let us know what you think of the show. But with that, let's get into it. show today i want to touch on david montgomery who is expected to be out four to five weeks with a I believe it was a hyper extended knee so not the worst case scenario people were wondering if it was going to be like a season ending thing so uh he will be back but missing four to five weeks that's a you know that's a good chunk of the fantasy season uh Damian Williams carried the load and and did pretty well in Montgomery's absence. He also got a little banged up, banged up, but he's expected to be okay. So he he should play. Um, They've also got Khalil Herbert, a rookie that um, I know graded out pretty well uh, for you, Sam, and and a guy that we've talked about a bit and kind of liked, but what do you, what do you make of this backfield, Sam, and the Montgomery injury? Um, I think it's really sucky for David Montgomery. He was playing at an extremely high level. Um, I mean, he looks, he's looked great all year. And I mean, I tweeted out in the mid game, that he, he made a cut where it looked like he levitated to the next spot. Um, I mean, the silver lining is it's not a season ender. Um, you should get him back for the playoffs, hopefully. Um, I think the backfield moving forward, you'll, you'll probably be a lot of Damian Williams, but I just don't think he's good enough to like be like, he'll probably be like RB2, RB3 some weeks, but I also think they want to get Khalil Herbert involved. They really like him. Um, he's a dynamic player. Um, he had a great preseason and now he's going to be called up to, you know, get some work. So excited to see what he can do. Um, I would be willing to bet the first couple of weeks, you'll see a lot of Damian Williams. Um, and then you'll probably start to see some more Khalil Herbert. So in about two weeks, I think you'll be able to have a pretty large Damian Williams sell high window if he performs. Um, but it's not exciting. You're, starting him on your flex spot now and just hoping that he comes through. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that, Matt? No, not, not really. I think, I think maybe the one thing I would say would depend on team construction. Cause what are we, we're going into week five now and let's assume he misses five weeks, which is what the maximum of what's being expected. It puts us at week 10. So he'll be back week 11. I mean, 
playoffs most leagues start week 14 like i wonder how much rust he'll have like how much you know you shall actually be able to get out of him you know weeks 11 12 13 so that's definitely something to keep an eye on uh and as for khalil herbert i will say for those of you listening who are familiar with the fantasy scouts and sam specifically his running back model herbert graded out very similarly to james robinson uh, I'm not saying he's going to be successful like James Robinson has been, but as far as talent goes and, you know, if he is able to hit, you know, his stride early, uh, we, we could in theory have another scenario similar to that of J Rob. Yeah, that's uh, I remember Herbert kind of being a standout there and a guy who, you know, has some traits. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets an opportunity, but it is a bummer for Montgomery who looked really good admittedly. So um, with that, let's get to an exciting offense that has been a little disappointing in some ways, and that's the Cowboys. The reason I say disappointing is because they're almost too good to the point where they've been very efficient that I think we have to ask the question if they can support all these playmakers. Uh, obviously, CeeDee Lamb was going extremely high heading into the season, Amari Cooper as well, and then, you know, Zeke was kind of considered to be back as, as a top five running back. And obviously Prescott's, uh, you know, a, a stud. And then, you know, you got Gallup who's been hurt, but Cedric Wilson filling in, and then you got two tight ends there catching passes. So, um, you know, they, they've just been so efficient. I mean, even last week they scored 36 points, but Dak only attempted 22 passes and their time of possession was only 26 minutes. They lost, they technically lost the time of possession battle by over seven minutes. And typically, you know, that that's, that's not usually how it goes, but they've been very efficient in the last three games. Dak has thrown, like I said, 22 times the game before that 26 and the week before that 27. So um, a combined, what is it, 75 attempts in the last three weeks. And that's coming off of week one when he threw for 58 times against the Buccaneers. So, um, you know, the backfield situation is kind of, I don't want to say murky because Zeke's been good, especially last week. He ran for 143 yards and a touchdown, but Pollard's getting some work. So, you know, it's a little bit muddy there. And then, you know, you look at the receiving box score. I mean, the guys who've been leading, I mean, Schultz led with 80 yards against the Eagles. Cooper led against the Panthers with 69 yards. Uh, CeeDee Lamb led the week before that against uh, the Chargers with 81 yards. So none of these guys are like putting up really big numbers. And I, I think at some point they'll open it back up a bit, but I mean, they've just been so efficient that they haven't been putting up these monster box scores. So what do you think, Matt? Uh, how do you feel, especially if you have a guy like lamb, I mean, obviously in dynasty, he's a guy you're investing in and the talents there and you, you, you probably trust him long-term, but maybe in redraft, you look to sell this guy, or I guess kind of, how are you valuing these players right now? And, and what do you think this offense does uh, in the coming weeks? Man, that's, it's really tough to gauge because when you look at their schedule, it's, it's a really nice schedule the rest of the way, relatively speaking. There's a lot of games where you could potentially see a shootout. But as you said, you know, they're, they're just efficient. They're getting it done. And, and, and from watching them through the first four weeks, I think it's clear and obvious that the defense is greatly improved. But it's not improved to the point to where teams 
just can't score on them. Teams can score on them, but what Dallas has done is they've eliminated the big play. They're making teams work down the field to score on them, which eats up a lot of the clock. So then when Dallas gets the ball, you know, they also take their time. They're running the ball a little bit more than they did last year because, you know, everybody's healthy and they don't want to get Dak injured again. So it's just the games for them seem to be moving a little bit more quickly. So, you know, if, if they get in, in into games like they, like they did with the Eagles, uh, potentially, you know, in their second matchup, maybe the Eagles are, are able to keep up a little bit more, you know, they still have Washington and, and some of these other teams that that can that can score points, you know, we could see that passing, um, you know, production. I guess pick back up, but I I don't know if they can necessarily support everyone every game. But I I definitely still think you're rolling out Cooper and CD every week. I think you know Schultz is a great option, and obviously Zeke and Pollard. It's just some weeks I think are going to be hits, and others are just going to be misses. I feel like it's just one of those teams you just don't know what to expect on a week-to-week basis because you don't know how the Dallas defense will react. Uh, I, I just kind of feel like, at least personally, I thought it was kind of obvious Dak was going to regress, like the offense as a whole, not because they're going to get worse, but because the defense could not get any worse. Uh, Dan Quinn failed as a head coach, but he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. Um, like He's a great defensive mind, and now that he's back to all defense – and he's got some players. I mean, Michael Parsons is flying around that defense making plays. Um, he's already establishing himself as one of the best playmakers in the league. Um, so I just kind of feel like it's the combination of the Cowboys understanding, like, hey, like, we've got a defense now. We don't need to drop back and throw it 65 times a game to be competitive. Um, I personally saw the regression coming. Um, but the thing is, is Dak's still been a great fantasy option. Zeke is still a top five running back right now. Um Outside of Dak's dud game in week seven or week two, he had seven points. Uh, if you're playing in six point, I mean, he's been pretty decent. Um, it's more so just, I think Dak set the bar so high last year that like, I think people are starting to become like disappointed. Like, is that maybe like what it was is like, he was so good that people thought like, Oh my God, like even if he aggresses 25%, like, but like, he's still a QB one. It's just, you're not getting that. 505 a game because they're you know they don't have a defense like am i crazy there i think where the disappointment comes from is what we saw last year the defense as you said was so bad you know he was putting up 450 pass yards a game and you know four to five touchdowns a game so you were getting these mega box scores from Dak, you know 30 plus fantasy points up until he broke his ankle so then coming into this year i think a lot of us were thinking oh it's going to be the same thing i'm not sure how much better that defense can get and I think the defense got good enough to the point to they where – way better than anticipated right. a lot faster. Exactly. So I, I think maybe the mindset coming into the season was incorrect. We should have expected that the defense would be a lot better than what we were already projecting it to be. And the fact that because you said now they don't have to throw, you know, for 450 yards and five touchdowns a game because they're in every game. They're not always trailing behind multiple scores. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like everybody kind of expected their defense to get better, but, like, I was expecting what their defense to be now, like, kind of what it would look like later in the season. Like, if the Cowboys keep playing like this, like, they could be legitimate NFC contenders. I mean, like, they've got a defense that flies around, and we know their offense can score points. I mean, Dak is going to finish the season as a top-10 quarterback. Zeke will probably be a top-10 running back. Um and Zeke will probably still get the disrespect on Twitter, but 
I mean, once people get a narrative about a guy, they never let go. Um, and as for CD, I mean, like Dynasty, his value's not changed. I mean, like, but I think redraft, like, I mean, like Matt hit the nail on the head. Like, maybe you could reach out to a Terry McLaurin owner, um, Deontay Johnson, um, you know, some of those like PPR machines where it's like, hey, like, CD Lamb, 88 Cowboys. Like, that's a lot of name value you might be able to get if you're trying to trade him. So I wouldn't panic, but like, you're definitely sifting the market. Yeah. And I think you make a good point outside of, week two when Dak had seven points, he has been really good. He's if you eliminate that week, which they all count, but you know, that's definitely an outlier. If you throw that one out, he's still averaging nearly 25 points a game, which would put him as the QB three on average. Um, and he's still QB 13, even with that, that in there. And then, like you said, Zeke is he's RB six right now. You've got Dalton Schultz who's tied in four, so you're still getting a lot of production out of this offense. It's just maybe not quite what we expected. Breaking, not, breaking, cow, breaking Cowboys news. Breaking Cowboys news. The Cowboys just released linebacker Jalen Smith. They're starting middle linebacker. Wow. He is regressed. Well, he – Sorry to has, interrupt. No, I mean, like, no, we're literally talking about the Cowboys. Yeah, oh, the defense wild. has improved. <laughs> oh, we're going to cut Jalen Smith. That's, that's wild. They heard us talking, and they wanted some more fantasy points from these yeah, receivers. Know, right? So they were like, let's start getting rid of some defensive guys. But, um, yeah. That I mean, must that, mean, like, Dak's not throwing enough. Let's get rid of some starters on the defense. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, Jalen Smith has regressed. I mean, like, he's looked kind of slow. Didn't he get that paid mean, last year? I think it was two years ago. But, yeah, I mean, like, ever since he got the bag, like, he is not – like, he was a line – he was a sideline to sideline cover guy. And he is not that anymore. Like, he has lost a step, like – I love the dude. He's Notre Dame through and through, and he's from Fort Wayne right down the road. Like, Oh, he was going to be a top-five pick had he yeah, not I mean, torn like, his ACL this last year. I'm Dame. still bitter about Dame that, was. but, like, I mean, he's regressed over the past yep. few years. So that tells me that there's somebody else, like, who's who's really, like, do we need to get him on the field? Um, I mean, like, Micah Parsons never really coming off the field, so I don't know who it could be. I mean, like, maybe Leighton Vander Esch are going to move him outside um, and Parsons inside. I don't know. Um that is crazy. Perfect timing, I guess, if you want some drama. I mean, like, does this impact how you view the Cowboys off defense? To me, I think that the defense might be a little bit better because I trust Dan Quinn to know, hey, this guy's not fitting in my scheme. That's yeah, they're it. making that move. It's for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Sam, 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 you, you nailed it right here on the head. Uh, the latest post was it's just simply he wasn't a fit in Dan Quinn's scheme anymore. That's all it was. Yeah, so they got to have somebody else there that's ready to go. And I, I think, I mean, Trayvon Diggs is elevated to one of the better corners in the league in a hurry. So um, that defense is definitely taking a next step. But really, I mean, you mentioned their schedule. It's like the Giants, the Patriots, the Vikings, Broncos, Falcons, Chiefs, Raiders, Saints, Washington, Giants, Washington. I mean, there's a few games in there that, that could be shootouts, but – I was looking like over their entire schedule. It just, it feels a little on the softer side too. So, um, you know, they might have some more games where they kind of cruise to a yeah. little easier victories. One, but, one, one last update on Jalen Smith real quick. He had five years, 50.7 million left on his deal. He leaves behind a dead cap of 16.6. Like that up. is 
spread out over the next two years. This is a significant release. There was there had to be something else there. I just no, I don't think so. I kind of feel like it is honest to God, he doesn't fit our system. We would trade you, but we have got too much respect for you. Go find your own home. Like that's what I think it is. Like, I mean, like they have a lot of respect for Jalen Smith. He's done a lot of great things for that team. I bet it's more like, hey, instead of trading you somewhere, we'll let you pick your own team. And he, he won't. Well, no doubt I don't, a tough spot. I don't know if he's going through waivers. I don't believe he will because his situation's different. Um, so he, Yeah, I, he wasn't waived. He was released. Yeah. So. so, I mean, like, I think they're doing right by him by like, hey, like, go pick the team. Well, the Denver Broncos lost their middle linebacker, and they've needed a coverage linebacker and a guy that well, can play sideline Well, the problem is Jalen Smith line. isn't really a cover linebacker anymore. I know. You know who could use him? You know who could use him? And I, the Eagles. The Eagles 100% need him. They can't, they can't stop anybody in the run game, especially with Brandon Graham down for the year. All right. That was fun to get some breaking news on a team we were talking right. about. But let's uh, go ahead and talk about – the rookie quarterbacks were obviously four weeks in um, a few of them have been playing from the jump, but a few uh, kind of are just recent uh, just recently saw the field. You got Lawrence who's been playing and was fairly pedestrian on, on Thursday against the Bengals. Uh, Zach Wilson showed some stuff. I think in that win against Tennessee, got their first win. You got Justin Fields who played a little better, but um you know, still kind of struggled. I don't know if that's more on him or, or kind of naggy in the, the system. And then, you know, Trey Lance got to see the field this weekend as well and, and played very well in there for, for the most part. And then even, you know, Davis Mills, people forget he's a rookie. He's out there as well, but he threw for 87 yards and four interceptions against the Bills. So that was, that was pretty tough to see. But uh, let's start with you, Sam, the, the scout here. What are you seeing from these rookie QBs, and what do you think of, of kind of where they're heading? Um, well, I'll, I'll kind of get Davis Mills out of the way pretty quickly. Uh, throughout the entire draft process, I didn't really like him. Um, then I started to come around a little bit late, and then over the past month I've been realized, like, why I didn't like him. Um, he'll be a fine backup for a team, probably the Texans. But, um, I mean, if you got somebody looking to buy a quarterback in a super flex dynasty league, get out while you can. Um, but all of the others, um, I, at this point, J Trevor Lawrence, he's looked okay. But at this point, I might give him a pass because I don't know if it's his fault. I mean, what the f is urban meyer doing um the it, it wouldn't have been like he would have been fine if he would have you know just flown back and been like all right i fucked up but he lied about it to the team and the reports came out today from michael lombardi that they laughed him out of the room i mean well, even in his press con sorry to interrupt but even in his press conference he's saying how like he was across dinner and like people dragged him over and then they were dragging yeah. him to the dance floor it's like dude can you own up to anything no i I'm going to, at this point, like, I still love Trevor. I think Trevor, Trevor's a generational talent. Um, he's showing flash. Um, he's a viable QB, too. But you're not loving what you're seeing, and it's not really his fault. Um, he's got a fucking moron as a head coach. And, I mean, like, that's so embarrassing. Um, I mean, every every NFL – I have I reached out to a handful of people who played the NFL – today like none of them would have any ounce of respect for the guy it, he didn't even fly back on the team plane like that is i've i've never seen that before 
Um, so Trevor, I mean, like I, at this point, I just kind of want to like be excited for what Trevor does good and ignore like everything else that's scary because I think it's just an Urban Meyer issue. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's fired before Sunday um, for what I'm hearing. Um, but I think Mac Jones has looked the best, but I, I, I mean, he, he's not really throwing the ball deep. Um, I mean, they don't really have anybody to throw deep to. Um, they're not using Nelson Aguilar as a deep threat. Um, I mean, he moves them up and down the field. You'll get a couple touchdowns. You'll get a couple mistakes, but he'll get you a 17 a game. I mean, like that's who he is. Um, you know, as he gets better in his prime, I mean, he'll be more efficient and have a bigger brain, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, like he's all right for fantasy. Um, and Zach Wilson, I think, uh, I think I, I tweeted it out. Like you, you have to give him up like kind of a pass the first three weeks because he went against three of the best defensive coordinators and defensive minds. Then he comes out against the Titans and looks pretty good. So, I mean, like, and then Justin Fields said, yeah, there's flash, but similar situation to Trevor Lawrence. I'm just kind of afraid of the head coach and just hoping that he gets out alive. I like the good that I see and I don't like the bad that I see. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but it's kind of where I am with those guys is like, I'd like the good and I don't like the bad, but the bad's not really their fault. Yeah. So for me, I, I think, I'll start with Davis Mills, as you said, you know, I, I had him on my QB models, a career backup, and I think he's fine for a good spot, uh, spot start for some teams here and there. But I, I definitely think that his, he's always going to be a backup and he'll probably be one of the better backups in the league, but that, that's basically all he is. So we can move on from him. Um, I watched the Seahawks game last Sunday and I got to see a little bit of Trey Lance live. Um, obviously you can't take a lot from the preseason, but watching him in game, and I understand, you know, I've, I've seen the stuff, how the, the game script wasn't, wasn't designed for him and stuff like that, but he did not look good, but yeah, he's he, way more raw than I he, think people anticipated him being. I, 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 people in San Francisco, I knew he was raw coming in, but even though he looked bad, holy crap, does he have some tools? And if they can be refined, this guy can be legit. But the thing is, is that, can it be refined? And how long does something like this take? Because I don't think we're going to see a huge, huge improvement, you know, between 21 and 2022. But once we start getting into 23, then I think we might can see this like a legitimate quarterback. So I think for fantasy purposes, you know, whenever, whenever he does begin to start, I think he's going to be extremely valuable just because he looks to run often. Uh, and, and I think a lot of the stuff initially is going to be, uh, first read, if it's not there, just take off and go. Um, a lot of fancy run designs with Elijah Mitchell and Sermon and Jeff Wilson and so on. But uh, Mac Jones, for me, he looks a lot like Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I haven't been impressed. I mean, he's, he's completing the ball, but he's not throwing it deep. It, it's probably a product of the system. Uh, so I, I don't think a lot of that's going to change this year. So the big thing I'll be looking for this summer from Mac is, what that year year two leap looks like? Do they do they start to install some new stuff in the offense where he passes the ball downfield a little bit more? Do they get a little bit more creative? Because right now, I mean, he literally looks just like another version of Jimmy Garoppolo, and maybe that's what they want. But I'm I haven't been terribly terribly impressed. Uh, Zach Wilson shows flashes, but I guess my biggest question would be how consistent will we see those? How cons uh, you know how consistent will he be on the football field? Because you see a lot of stuff where you're like, this guy doesn't belong on the field. But then you also see a lot of stuff where you're like, wow, this guy's actually pretty good. 
So I, I just wonder where that balance will be. And then, and then like Sam said, as for Trevor Lawrence, I mean, it's just the talents there. I was definitely excited to see last week that they finally started moving him around, getting him on the run. I mean, for somebody, what is he? Six, 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 sevens like that. He's relatively quick. So uh, it, it was good to see him, them utilizing his, his legs more uh, to go along with his arm. He made that fantastic throw uh, out of the pocket to Agnew on the deep left sideline. Y'all remember that with the little just toe tap? I mean, you could not have put that ball any better. So I, I, I think Urban's time is is limited. So I, I think now actually would be a good time for those maybe that are scared off by Urban Meyer to maybe reach out and see if you can acquire Lawrence and Dynasty because there is a new head coach coming in here at some point. And, and if, even if somebody like Daryl Bevel takes over the offense or takes over the interim head coaching gig for the remainder of the year, I think that's a huge upgrade for Lawrence. Yeah, I think the I want to note like Michael Lombardi was on Pat Nagby show today talking about the Urban Meyer situation. His understanding is is it's more of a money issue. Like he's Urban Meyer was apparently worried they were going to get him at fault, which means he doesn't get paid, and that's literally all he cares about. And that's wild to me. I mean, like the dude just wants his money. Um, I. If you can, if you if you're in a dynasty league and there is a disgruntled Trevor Lawrence owner, I mean, absolutely go take advantage. But I would imagine that they probably understand, like, hey, like this isn't a long term thing. But I mean, you never know. I mean, people live and die by the book by the day. So I mean, you can reach out. Yeah, I I want to acknowledge that I left Mac Jones off my list when I introduced them. So I apologize. I think. I, I'm kind of with you, Matt, but I've been a little impressed with him. I just wasn't that high on him before. And he's not really, you know, pushing the ball down the field a ton. But I mean, eight air yards per attempt isn't too bad. And I've just been his accuracy rating, according to player profiler, is number two in the league. And I've just been impressed with his anticipation. And uh, I mean, sometimes these rookie quarterbacks, the area that they struggle in, is not knowing when to when to check down and when to just get the ball out quickly and take what's there. And so I've kind of been impressed, even though, you know, he's kind of Jimmy Garoppolo-esque and he's not necessarily pushing the ball uh, deep downfield. He, he has 19 deep ball attempts and he's really kind of taking what's there. So I've been fairly impressed with his efficient, efficiency and his anticipation. Um, as far as Trey Lance, I said he had a good outing, but I, sh- I should say like, I meant that just in terms of a box score and like fantasy perspective, but he did only complete 50% of his passes and he's very inaccurate. My pre-draft comp for him was Colin Kaepernick. And I just can't, I mean, another Niners quarterback, but that's kind of who he looks like out there to me. He's got a strong arm, kind of inaccurate at times, that kind of gallopy type run, you know, same size roughly. And, and his athleticism is just amazing. Yeah. Um, I want to circle back on Mac real quick because Matt said he wasn't impressed. And um, I think a lot of fantasy people probably feel similar because what you, what Mac has been doing the most impressive is you'll never see on the back, the box score. It is the fact that he's dissecting and running the complete new England Patriots offense in week four. Uh, he went toe to toe with Tom Brady and he was going five wide understanding. Okay. Here's where the blitz is coming from. Like he was a step ahead of, Todd Bowles on Sunday. Um, and I thought Mac Jones played a fantastic game. I think right now 
what I would like to see most out of the Patriots is go get him a deep shot weapon. I mean, like, or use Nelson Aguilar, what he was for. Um, I, I think I've been extremely impressed with what I've seen about Mac. He's not sexy. He's not flashy and he never will be, but he is going to drive that car. And if you need a spot start or if you need a QB two in a dynasty league. Yeah. Do you have a rebuttal, Matt, or are you just, uh, just, I, I couldn't I tell if you wanted said. to say something or pet his dog. Both. <laughs> <laughs> Again, though, for me, it's just I, I, I'm fine with what I'm seeing now. And like I understand the circumstance, you know, we're moving into week five. He's a rookie. He's only started four games. It, it, I mean, it is impressive given the context. You know, he is completing the ball. He's not making a lot of mental mistakes. What was it? One last week before last, he threw three picks or something like that. You know, the defense got to him. You know, just had a game plan. It is what it is. You're going to see that sometimes. But I guess my thing is, is just looking down the road. It's like you have to see that growth in year two. Otherwise, what he is now is what he will always be. And that was kind of the that's kind of like where I bring in that Jimmy Garoppolo comp. It's just like you see a guy who generally has a higher completion percentage, but he's not throwing a ton of deep shots. You know, he is relatively accurate, but it's just there's always just the just the, the killer mistakes here and there. The, the one or two games where, where the defense has a better game plan and, you know, he turns the ball over three, four times, you know, so on and so forth. So I Mac is fine. I, he's not a super appealing fantasy asset unless you're in a two QB league or super flex where he's a spot start. You know, I'd be fine with him as my QB three, maybe as my QB two, depending on what the rest of my team looks like. But I think for me, 2022 is going to be really telling. Uh, but maybe, you know, they go out and get, a Randy Moss type of person, you know, to unlock him, so to speak, because I know they went out and they helped Brady in that aspect when, when they won those, the handful of Super Bowls. Yeah. I imagine they'll bring in some little gadget guy who's not very good, claim a shit ton of money. He won't be very good. And then Matt will have to dig and duck his way down the field, the nine wins and he'll take the blame. But I mean, like that's just me guessing because the Patriots haven't been able to draft or develop wide receivers in the past 20 years. Yes, if a Patriot, if the Patriots draft a wide receiver in the first round, you could just go ahead and disregard them. Yeah, and they'll probably have a breakout age of like twelve and a college dominator of ninety-five and stuff. And he can't bust, but he can't separate, and then he'll bust. Maybe oh, they should just bring. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do a flashback into the future again. Maybe they should. Speaking of flashback, maybe they should just bring uh, Cordero Patterson back to to New England. Why don't they just like wait for like a big free agent marquee? Like they had so many opportunities to go get like star wide receivers, and they never did. Like that's why Tom left. Like people forget for years, people would rip on Tom Brady because he did the same thing Mac Jones is doing right now. Well, there's a chance his way down the field. There's a chance Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson are free agents next year. So well, at the the way things are going in Chicago. Um, Allen Robinson ain't come back, so yeah, that's I don't <laughs> I don't see that happening. Um, let's there's a lot of good stuff on the rookies. I'm excited to see how they develop, and I, I honestly uh, on Trey Lance, I I don't really know what what is Garoppolo. Is he going to be back? Because I wouldn't be surprised if he like if Garoppolo's back and healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if Lance doesn't play till next year. Yeah. That, I think that's the assumption. When Garoppolo is, is healthy, he'll be starter again. I've heard, like – The bigger question saying, is, where is Garoppolo in 2022? Like, I yeah. mean, like, 
if the if the Steelers don't get Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson, like, do they go after somebody like Jimmy G? Does he really help your team? Well, that's the question you got to ask yourself: is is he better than what Dwayne Haskins probably is at that point? And I mean, it's probably closer than what people want to admit. If Dwayne Haskins has actually learned how to work, yeah, the Trubisky would be an option potentially. Yeah, uh, um, I mean, that could be a lot of fun too, but. My Deontay and Claypool shares would be really preferring uh, Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. So I'm going to speak that into existence like Andrew Luck 2022. Only a couple more months, boys. <laughs> sure. Sure, Sam. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. They've been a fun team thus far. Kind of interesting, though, on offense. Obviously, Kyler Murray's balling out. He's the QB2 right now. The running back situation is interesting. Um, Chase Edmonds is RB12 in PPR, doing a lot of work catching passes in between the 20s. But James Conner, RB24 in PPR, and he's he's getting the goal line work. He's scoring the touchdowns. And then the receiver group, you got, you know, Hopkins hasn't necessarily been himself. AJ Green's playing well. Christian Kirk's playing well. You got Rondale Moore there. Um, and then they've started to use the tight end a little bit. Max Williams becoming relevant. So uh, let's start with you, Matt. What do you make of this offense so far? And can all of these guys remain relevant? Not all of them can remain relevant just because of how much they spread the ball around. Obviously, you're going to want Kyler. He's, at, I mean, he's got to be front runner top two at least in the mvp conversation i moved right him in my qb2 dynasty yeah i mean he he just looks amazing right now yeah, there's, there's nothing you could do um no aj green i mean he when he caught a long touchdown pass against the rams like what's he done outside of that like i just don't see that being a consistent thing uh hopkins is always going to be be a guy although it is interesting to see his production has come down a little bit and i wonder if that's a product of just them spreading the ball around more often uh, they finally have a run game. Like you said, Edmonds is doing all the work between the 20s, but once they get in the red zone, it's all James Conner, and, and he's you know maintaining his value just on basically goal line touchdowns. Uh, let's see here. Rondell Moore, uh, I think that's more of a 2022 guy with the with the occasional big game uh, here in 21. It, it is obvious, though, that, that he does have what it takes, and they're getting him involved, so that's nice to see. But I think the ultimate thing for me is – we saw the Cardinals get off to a five and two start last year. And then they had the week eight bye, and they were averaging 35 points a game or what have you. And I understand Kyler dinged up his shoulder a little bit and, but he still, I mean, he still was phenomenal throughout the second half of the season, but the team just really faded off. They started really, really hot and then they just faded off. So I'm interested to see if we if that's a repeat because even though they're what are they four and zero right now, I wonder how long that goes again. You know, do do you guys think that that they're able to maintain this? Because I I feel like I'm seeing the same thing this year that I saw last year. So you're excited about it, but then once you get to the mid season point, will this team fall off again and finish eight and eight, eight and nine now? You know. That nine wins, what have you, feel like, or are we going to see I, them literally just roll through the NFC West? No, they won't roll through the NFC West. I think what you have is a QB one and Kyler, obviously a QB one or a wide receiver one, probably low end now and Hopkins 
and then everybody else is just a bunch of flex starts and you're praying to God it's their week. Um, like, I mean, like if you have Christian Kirk, your team's probably not very good, but you're starting him. Um, I mean, same thing with like AJ Green or, I mean, Rondell Moore, like you're probably more excited to start him, but I mean, he's not playing very much. Um, there's just too many of them and you have to hope it's their week. I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, you're playing the lottery with those guys and you could get lucky if you want to bet on your odds. Um, the odds on routes, percentages, and targets through the first three, four weeks to say uh, Hopkins and Green are your bet. Um, but I expect Rondale's role to grow. It's just how much will like how much will it actually impact his fantasy value? Because like that's a, to me like you have an alpha and then just a bunch of guys. So you're hoping that whatever week you start him is that week. And that's the, that's the reality of it. Like, that's why Christian Kirk has never been a reliable fantasy asset and never will. Uh, probably the same reason why Rondell will be so risky this year. I think 2022, like, yeah, Matt hit the nail on the head. Like, absolutely. Because Christian Kirk will be gone probably. A.J. Green will absolutely be gone. You know, you got Kyler in year four. I think, you know, this year you have to lower expectations for some of those guys. But in year two, uh, with Rondale, I think, you know, obviously you'll see that big jump. Yeah, I pretty much agree with all of that. And and Matt, to your point about kind of them starting hot before and kind of trailing off, I've been looking at them kind of just from a betting perspective because they've become a very uh, public team to bet on. You look at their schedule, and I, I, I don't know. I think they're good. I don't know if they're as good as, you know, they've seemed to be. Their next, you know, their schedule is versus the 49ers at the Browns, home to the Texans, home to the Packers, at the Niners, versus the Panthers, at the Seahawks, at the Bears, versus the Rams. I mean, there's a lot of tough games in there. That, I could definitely see them fading. And they, yeah. they had a pretty easy start to the year. And then, like, last week was, like, their biggest test. And they looked really good. Like, you got to give them credit. Like, they looked really good. They beat up on the Rams. Um, they did look really good, but then, like, here's my thing. The week before that, they looked really average against the Jags, and they almost lost oh, yeah. that game. And that's what I'm saying is, like, I I think they will probably finish the year with, like, seven or eight losses. Um, like, they have way too tough of a schedule. That NFC West is way too good. They are not going to roll through. I mean, they're a good, competent football team. They can score a lot of points. But I think they're going to be very similar to what the Chiefs were for a bunch of years which was they'd explode in the season and dwindle off towards the end of the year. Um, I, I still have my reservations about Cliff Kingsbury as coach, but so far he's looked good. Um, that defense has looked great. Um, all the additions they've made over the past few years on that defense are starting to turn out. Um, like I like what I'm seeing. It's just, I want to see a little bit more. Like if they go through these next two or three games and they're like seven, eight and oh, then like, yeah. Like, okay, like, you better start paying attention. I mean, like, you got to pay attention now. But they have such a tough schedule. I just don't – I think they'll get on some sort of cold streak um, because that is way too tough of the next two months you just laid out. Yeah, and I was going to mention <clears throat> – excuse me. I was going to mention Kingsbury as well because I think he's proven, you know, himself as just like an offensive, you know, play caller and stuff. But I don't know if he's the guy I want making – you know, in-season adjustments, especially as other teams start making adjustments to what they're doing on offense. 
his biggest his biggest thing though throughout his what is this year four for him has been the crucial decisions and the two minutes at the end of games you know it's when you have to make a very critical decision that's where he's always failed but I mean, if if he wanted to move himself to offensive coordinator, obviously I don't know if you would, as a head coach, you would elect electively do that. I mean, he honestly might be the best offensive coordinator in the league. I mean, I don't know if you could stop that offense if you had somebody else just running those those general decisions instead of him. But yeah, I I I, I just feel like he's the ultimate downfall, and and it's unfortunate because the team is so good. And I'm not saying that to say that Kingsbury's bad, but I just feel like it's just just two or three decisions that are going to happen over the next course of the 13 weeks. And that's, and that's just all it's going to be. It's going to cost them. Yeah. I don't even know if it's necessarily cost them as much as it is like, they're going to play a bunch of really good football teams here. Like they're going to lose some of these games. Um, and it's just because they're going to get beat. They're going to get outplayed. There's, you're going to get some dud for performances. Um, I just think Kyler with his legs will always be extremely safe. Um, 100%. I think, I think, and I got to be careful of what I say here. And I was thinking about this last night and I was going to tweet it, but then I didn't. It's like, I feel like Kyler Murray is what Lamar Jackson is the exact opposite of a runner, or I mean, a passer first. And then if it breaks down, he'll scramble around and make the play. Like Lamar will run first and then like he'll want to throw. Like, Kyler, I feel like, is so much more dangerous because he wants to sit back, read it. He can make all the throws. He can make all the sidearm throws. He, he played second base. He was the first overall pick of the MLB. Like, he's a freak of nature. So, he can make all the throws. He's got a rocky arm. And he just happens to be the fastest player on the field. I just feel like Kyler Murray is legit. And as long as he is around, I feel like they're in any football game. Yeah, and – his size is kind of, you know, he's, he's it's, small. I don't back think there it's ever too. affected it's, him once. Well, no, but even in like a positive way, just in terms of scrambling, cause he's just like so quick and yeah, you can't see him his way around. You like can't those, see him. That's why those scat backs for years, like Darren Sproles and guys like even like JJ Taylor are still around because if you're so little behind the line, they can't see you. And then like all of a sudden you're around the corner full speed. You, you can't touch that guy. Yeah. Um, all right. We, we need to move on, but I, I just want to circle back on the wide receivers real quick. I agree with you guys. Rondell Moore is more of next year. He's only playing about 40% of the snaps. Um, and his a dot is four and a half, which is really, really bad. Um, Kirk is AJ green. You know, Matt, you mentioned him. He's, I mean, it's very clear that he is the starting outside receiver and then it's Kirk and Moore mixing in elsewhere with, you know, Kirk playing even more snaps, but I mean, he's received, I, I don't love AJ green at this point in his career, but he has received six targets in every single game. His usage is good. He's seeing, he's seen like five or six red zone targets already. Um, so I think he's like a decent plug in, especially for like, you know, a redraft league, just kind of a depth flex guy, Christian Kirk, has been better this year and he's playing um, 60% of the snaps. Um, yeah, but he's still giving you two duds, which is exactly what he is. He's playing like 60% of the snaps, but he had one catch on one target last week. So he's still going to give you some up weeks and some down weeks. Although last week was against Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey was actually on him a lot. Um, but yeah, he's still going to be very up and down. So not much has changed with Kirk, but I, I probably, you know, trust him a bit more than I have in the past because 
he has seen five targets, four targets, eight targets, and then just one last week. But yeah, he's still going to be that up and down. And then in the, you know, the running backs are basically, I think you can trust Edmonds and in, in PPR just because of his pass catching, but Connor's definitely just a game script guy. Um, and you're going to be relying on touchdowns. Um, all right, let's move on to a little game of fact or fiction. We are going to run through some players and situations. Um, some guys are really balling out. Some are struggling and we're going to tell you if that's fact or fiction, if you can buy into their start or not. So um, I'll start here with Cooper cup. He is the wide receiver one overall um, in fantasy right now. And I, th- that's a fact to me. Um, in terms of PPR, you know, I don't know for sure that he'll, he will definitely finish as the wide receiver one, but I think, you know, that is his value now is right around there. He leads the league in targets. Um, he actually leads the league in red zone targets with nine too. And, and, you know, he's not necessarily a guy you think of in terms of red zone targets, but he leads both of those categories. He leads in touchdowns. He's number two in yards after catch. Um, number two in receptions. He's sure-handed. Stafford, I think that's the biggest thing is that Stafford's obviously an upgrade at quarterback, but he kind of formed an instant connection with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Van Jefferson. We'll talk about them in a minute, but they've kind of like Cup has like more than distanced himself. Those two are kind of fighting for that second role now. Cooper Cup is the clear 1A. He's the guy that Stafford trusts. So I'm saying that's a fact. Do you guys agree or disagree? Yeah, I, th- I think I agree. Yep, no issue. This isn't that. the first time he's been dominant for fantasy football either. I mean, right. 2019, he was the wide receiver one overall until he got hurt too. So, yeah, good point. That's definitely worth uh, mentioning. Um, all right, then the next one does Van Jefferson, wide receiver 38 currently, outscore Robert Woods, who's wide receiver 40 this season? Not necessarily saying like rest of season from now, but just the entire season. Matt, fact or fiction, Jefferson outscores Woods. I'm gonna say fiction. Two Rams questions and I didn't get one. Okay. You take <laughs> Who this writes one. these shows, Chad? <laughs> you, sir, you'll have to file an official complaint. We don't. No, I'm going don't. to HR. Oh God. HR's no. gonna hear about this. Oh God. All right. Anyways, sorry. I'm gonna say fiction. Uh, Van Jefferson's been nice, but there, I believe there were two separate quotes from Sean McVay this week. It said Robert Woods not getting involved as much as he needs to be is on me, and we're gonna change that. So. I, I have a hard time imagining that over the course of the remainder of the season that Robert Woods doesn't do more to surpass Van Jefferson. Not to say Van Jefferson's totally phased out, but I just think Robert Woods gets more involved. Um, I, I think it's going to be really close. Like, obviously, I've been a Rams fan my entire life, um, so I pay pretty close attention. Um I think it's going to be similar to what you see now is some weeks it'll be Van Jefferson. Some weeks it'll be Robert Woods. I think they'll probably close finish pretty close to each other on an end of the year's finish. Um, based on what I've seen in the usage and never trusting a word out of Sean McVay's mouth. Um, if I had to bet on one of those two based on the first four weeks, I think I would put my money on Van Jefferson, but it'd be like a 51% confidence thing. Like 
I, I think they're going to be really, really close. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to be very close. I would probably lean uh, with Matt, just Woods probably, but I like Jefferson long-term. I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me, they're, they're pretty close in usage. Um, Robert Woods has four end zone targets. Van Jefferson has one. Not that Jefferson isn't going to score touchdowns, but I think uh, Woods has been a guy. He's got two on the year. Who, Van Jefferson? Yeah. He's got one. <clears throat> He's got one, doesn't he? <clears throat> well, well, I thought it was two. I mean, I guess I got to be wrong. But... Um, unless PFF oh, yeah. hasn't updated. Because well, yeah, I know he had one obviously last week, and because um, it was a pretty long one, um, a very pretty uh, bomb. And then I thought he had one week one against. He did, game. yeah, he did. So you're right. So yeah. PFF has not updated as of Tuesday night. That's interesting, but good catch. Um, but either way, it was uh, not. Uh, well, yeah. So no, no, no. So Jefferson has two touchdowns. Woods has two touchdowns. That's right. But it wasn't an end zone target. So my point is just that, like, Woods is going to be the guy in the red zone. If they take a wide receiver off the field, you know, near the goal the line, it's going to be Jefferson. I, I just feel like the biggest tell for me is the fact that it's now Van Jefferson running those end sweeps and those jet sweeps. Like, that used to be Robert Woods, and now it's Van Jefferson. And so far, I mean, he's outproduced him. He's outsnapped him or close to it, and he's outtargeted him. I just I have no information other than like the previous seven years of my life that what I've seen in the first month with Matt Stafford is true. So like based on what I'm seeing recently and trends and understanding football and maybe Robert Woods is declining at the age of 29 and Van Jefferson is on his way up at the age of 24. I mean, maybe Van Jefferson has surpassed him. I mean, like, or he will by the end of the year, if not, I mean, like, is that where we are at with them? Because I mean, like, I think people need to start having that conversation. And I know people don't like Van Jefferson because he had bad analytics, but I mean, he was drafted in the second round. Sean McVay loves him and he's on the field quite a bit and he's scoring points. We need to talk about him. Yeah, I agree. And I definitely prefer at this point, Jefferson, you know, at his cost and long-term in dynasty. But the reason I just say Woods again, like those end zone targets, that's because he's on the field Van Jefferson's playing 76% of the snaps, which is 43rd in the league, whereas Robert Woods is playing 92% of the snaps, eighth in the league. So you're still seeing Jefferson as the one come off uh, when they go with, uh, you know, two wide receiver sets as opposed to three. They do play a lot of three, but when it gets, you know, especially when you're in the red zone, um, a lot of times they'll they'll use multiple tight ends or... or uh... I think... Also, this past weekend was a good example of Sean McVay getting too cute with Matt Stafford. Like, the run game was working, and they just they, – they would literally run it for, like, six yards on first down, and then Matt Stafford would, like, drop some dime, and then they'd convert, and then they would do three long shots right in a row, and then they'd punt. And it's like – I don't know. So, I think Thursday we see a little bit more of the running game and a – I tweeted out today um, the Rams average 33 points per game when they play on Sunday or Thursday night. They're three and one under Sean McVay, and their only loss is against the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm very excited about that game. Seahawks gonna are going to win. And you want to know why? There's only one reason why. Is there in, are they in Seattle? Yeah. Yep. 
But but I have another reason why. That's not why. Well, I mean, that's a pretty big reason. Now well, you got two su- reasons it, why. It surprised me. Again, I, I do some gambling stuff, and it surprised me that the Rams are – I had the I, – I projected this, the Seahawks to be favored by, like, a point and a half, maybe two points, and it's actually – the Rams are favored by, like, a point and a half. So yeah. the spread is negative one on the Rams? Yeah. I might – I mean, like, you get – I'm gonna hammer the Seahawks on that one. I like Seattle, the Seahawks. On that. Seattle has never lost wearing action green or four and zero. Oh, dude, that's an auto start for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, four touchdowns, two to DK as well. Woo, baby! Action nice. green in Seattle in, in a prime time night game. You can't miss. My main league, I'm starting both Matt Stafford and um, Matt or uh, Russell Wilson. So I'm pretty excited about that because I get to watch both my quarterbacks in prime time. It really, it really I'm should be Justin Herbert, but he's playing the Browns and. It really should be a competitive high-scoring game. I would expect both both teams to score 24-plus. I just kind of feel like Sean McVay is embarrassed. I mean, like, I watched the tape. It was bad. I mean, like, he, he got way too cute. And I think, like, if I can self-scout that and see that, Sean McVay can self-scout that and see that. So I kind of feel like he's going to – I kind of feel like the Rams are going to come out and be pretty aggressive because that place is going to be rocking. And I'm going to have my sound bar all the way up. And this place is going to be rocking. And then that, uh, yeah, that's going to be a fun game. But Matt is bringing the the premium stats that you can't get anywhere else. Is that is that right? <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Um, all right. Sorry, Sam, I missed you on the Rams. Oh, but we have Debo Samuel Factor Fiction. He's wide receiver three thus far. Is he? Is that? Are you buying that Factor Fiction? I don't know. He won't finish the year as wide receiver three. He'll probably end up missing a game or two because he's always good to miss a game for injury. But like the problem with him has never been talent or production. It's always been health. And as long as he's on the field, you're starting him at your wide receiver two or your flex spot because of where you drafted him in leagues. So, I mean, like you're starting him every week and you don't care. I mean, like I think he could finish as a wide receiver one. I don't think he will, but I could see it. But you're starting him every week, regardless. So I mean, I um, false, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. What What do you think, Matt? I'm gonna say fact. Barring injury, I don't see his role changing in the 49ers' offense. I mean, he's getting everything. So unless he's hurt, I don't see a reason why he doesn't finish as a top ten guy. Yeah, I also have it as fact because of what you said. He's clearly separated himself from Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Brandon Ayuk seems like he's Brandon Ayuk separated himself from the 49ers. Brandon, yeah, Brandon Ayuk's probably on his way out. He, I, I don't know what the hell happened there, but like whatever. Um, I just feel like the part of the reason, other reason I want to say um, like false or fiction on Deontay or Debo is. I believe two of his big play touchdowns were like just blown coverages. Like Seattle, what was the Seattle? Like I could have made the throw Seattle where he got like the 75 yard touchdown where nobody within 25 yards was with him. And Jamal Adams was standing there pointing at him. Like Jamal Adams has been the biggest waste of money, but I don't think I need to tell Seahawks fans that. I don't think he's a waste of money at all, but go on. Okay. Anyways, um, I just don't feel like you're going to keep getting – like some of us, he's living on some of fluke plays. And I just – I mean, like, yeah, it'll happen. It's just – George it, Kittle he, caught a touchdown pass on Sunday, but it doesn't show up in the box sheet because Jamal Adams flattened him as he caught it and it knocked it out. That's what you pay him for. That's six points that never happened. Well, and it's like it's only fair for the other six he gave up to Debo. 
I don't know if I don't think that was on him. I think that was on Ryan Neal because that I was do think th- I the think Seahawks defense looked down. a lot looked a lot better because and they started playing Ryan Neal the backup safety at uh at uh, slot corner instead and he's he's a really hard hitter too. He's got a little bit of cam chancellor to this game. So I, I actually I like to see Hawks defense last week. About their defense, but I think he was playing the sky coverage, so he came down and then and the, uh, the corner went the corner went with the un, with the underneath route and Debo kept going. Yeah. Debo came out on the wheel. I mean, I think it was just a clearly miscue, but like I just saw at least from like the highlight on red zone, Jamal Adams was pointing like, hey, you missed it, but I, I didn't see it until I watched the film later. But you don't home. but you don't need that that 75 yard score to know over the first three weeks, like Debo's like over a hundred oh, yeah, yards, absolutely. I think all three weeks. So I, that's a lot of points on one play that right. I feel like are not like, I think he'll be a wide receiver one if he's healthy, but the yeah. wide receiver three, I just, that's yeah. Like, yeah. Top, top 12, but I don't know about that high. Well, that's what this was, was top three. Like, I mean, so that's why I said no. Well, yeah, I, I should have, I guess, defined this a little more. I mean, there's obviously some wiggle room. I don't, I don't, I, but I want to say something about DJ Moore too. And I know that it's not my turn. Um, but I was watching that game like an hour ago before we got on the tape and they are using him right now. in some of Chris McCaffrey's role. So some of his targets are going to come off the field. Like one of his touchdowns was a corner route out of the backfield where that would have been normally Chris. Oh, McCaffrey. the Texas route. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I that loved that. Moore. So like, Oh, like, that was so sweet. I love DJ Moore and he'll be a wide receiver one, but he probably won't finish as the wide receiver four. So I'm going to say fix on that one as well. But I just wanted to point that out. Like I love DJ Moore but he's benefiting him from CMC not being on the field. Literally, like, that was a, C- a CMC play. You didn't even let me introduce it, though. You just I, saw, totally... sorry, I got way too excited. Um, no, that's fair. Though. And that's you, took actually... Rams. you took two Rams from me, so we're good. That's actually a really good point. I Personally, I have it as fact, I, but that's a good, that's a good point to bring up um, because his numbers, I mean, the first two weeks, he was 80, 80 receiving yards, the second week, 79, and then the last two weeks, it jumped to 126 and 113. So that definitely jumped. Yeah, that's um, called the CMC off the field effect. Yeah, he had eight targets in the opener, 11 in week two, and then 12 in each of the last two. But I just but think he's playing to, so well. And the question was always about could he find the end zone? He's already scored three touchdowns, which is, I mean, every season he's been at – He's scored two his rookie year, then four the next year, then four again last year. He's already at three, man. He's finally got competent quarterback play. To be fair to DJ Moore, when they were playing Houston, he had like nine targets before CMC went down. That's fair. We're feasting on him. Yeah. I love DJ Moore, and he'll absolutely be a wide receiver one. I just – wide receiver four, prob – I mean, like it's likely, but like if I was betting on the statistical odds, I would say false or fiction. All right, let's say – let's just say like – a top 10 wide receiver PPR. Fact. Yeah. Fact. Okay. That's yeah. Um, okay. Matt uh, Marquise Brown is currently wide receiver 13 overall wide receiver 15 in terms of average. Um, you know, I think we can adjust this a little bit. It doesn't have to be exactly, you know, wide receiver 13 to 15 range, but is it a fact? Will he finish say, you know, top, 20 no because Rashad Bateman's coming back it's as simple as that do you think Rashad Bateman I mean coming off an injury 
Marquise Brown is playing well. Mark Andrews is there. They got Sammy Watkins. Is Bateman, I like Bateman. Is he going to come in and demand targets right away, or is he going to have to slowly earn them? I don't, in in reference to, to Marquise Brown, I don't think it really makes that much of a difference because it's the same thing if we want to talk about Debo. I mean, I, I feel like I've seen three highlight plays of Marquise Brown. It's just behind the defense. Like there was that one jump pass that Lamar Jackson had for 50 yards. That he was just standing out there in the middle field by himself. He had the the deep shot last week where he outrun the, the he outran the corner and the and the safety. So I just when for me it's just Bateman comes back. I think he gets enough targets that we don't see the same consistency of Marquise Brown that we're seeing now. Same thing with like Henry Ruggs. Like you're hoping on that long touchdown. I think like because he's getting the volume because like everybody else is hurt and he's dropping them too. And he's not dropping the ball. Yeah, he's had a few drops. He did last even last week in Denver. He had a yeah, he had what, a good two, game, like but... wide open and blatant touchdown drops on prime time. Yeah, and like yeah, yeah, I agree with that. All right, Lavisca Chenault to you, Sam. He's wide receiver fifty one overall, wide receiver sixty one in average. I think we probably expect him to be a little higher than that, but I guess are you is his slow start fact or fiction? Is he gonna improve? How, how do you have it? Yeah, it's definitely fiction, especially with DJ Chart going down. Uh I mean, like I don't really think there's anything else needs to be said about that. I mean, like he had what six for ninety nine last week when DJ Chart went down. LaVisco is just fine. Yeah, for me, I was really impressed and Matt actually I, him and I went back and forth on Twitter a little bit, but his a dot was at 4.3 before that game. It went all the way up to 7.19 after, I mean, they clearly wanted to use him downfield after that. I so I just gonna put him in that DJ chart role and see what he does with it. I hope they do if, that, but I would also like to see them still use him around the line of scrimmage. I will say this. If urban Meyer does get fired, whether Daryl Bevel takes over the head coaching job or not as the interim uh, he's going to use Visca in a Tyler Lockett role. Yeah. So if Urban gets fired, I think that's a big boost to Visca. I feel like that's a when Urban gets fired. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, I mean, like, how do you tomorrow? How do you go in front of the team and try to address them after they laughed you out of position meeting? Like, I mean, like, what the hell could you say to win that locker room back? Hey guys. We should have done a fact or fiction. Will Urban Meyer be the head coach of the Jaguars? And by the time this episode gets released, right? Um, okay, Chase Claypool, wide receiver, fifty-eight overall, wide receiver, forty average. This one is for me. I'm gonna say that's fiction. I expect him to perform better, but um, I think his slow start overall is kind of a fact. Just in that, I have no faith in Ben Roethlisberger right now. The way that offense is functioning. Um, it's all going to be, you know, targets underneath to Deontay Johnson. He has Claypool has 219 unrealized air yard air yards already, which is, I mean, yeah, no, I top have 10. no faith in Ben. It's the top yeah, eight, it's eighth, yep, eighth. That's ridiculous. I mean, ugh, Chase Claypool could, in theory, be like a top 10 wide receiver right now. For if sure, ben wasn't such an idiot. And I think about that. I, how you had him as a top 10 play this year and he's right there. It's just the Ben in this offense can't support that right now. It's, it's the same thing with, with Pittman. So it's all right. Yeah. I almost threw Pittman on here as well. Um, let's move on to 
you, Matt, does Emmanuel Sanders, wide receiver 25, outscore Cole Beasley, wide receiver 40 this season? Yes, but barely. I think so, too. How about you, Sam? Yeah, I think he does as well. Um, Austin Eckler, currently RB2, Sam. Fact or fiction? Um, the RB2 fiction and RB1 fact. Yeah, I agree. He's his. I've been tweeting about it and talking about it and, and writing about it. I've been just shouting it out my window that his red zone and goal line usage is, I mean, he's basically already met what he got in 10 games last year. Brandon so that's, Staley is already, in my mind, one of the best coaches in the I, NFL. I wish the Broncos would have just hired him. And, and the fact that he's going to force the NFL to change how they're playing. Like, you realize, like, he is changing how teams are going to have to approach playing them. Because sure. that's two weeks in a row, fourth and three. No, I'm not taking the ball out of my best player's hand. Let's go score a touchdown. And it's working. And teams are going to have to adjust. And that's going to be more fantasy points for anybody playing the Chargers. Yeah, and he's implementing the Fangio defense, which they have They have some players on the defensive side of the ball too. How great is it to see Derwin James healthy? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want Matt, this one. What's that? I want this next one. But do you have anything? I'll give you the next one, but do you have anything to add on Eckler? No, he's he's back in RB1. Okay, Cordero Patterson, RB3 in PPR right now. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, this is a screaming sell high. If there's been any player over the last decade that was more of a sell high than Cordell Patterson, I don't know who it is. And it is total fiction. He'll probably finish as a, around the RB24 range when it's all said and done. I'd be shocked if he's an RB1. He played on his lowest percentage of snaps out of all four games this year last week. 30.6% of the snaps. He's not even on the field half the time, yet alone fourth of the time. So, yeah, it's fiction. He had, let's see here, he's had carries of 7, 7, 7, and 6, and his targets have been 2, 6, 7, and 6. I mean, he's living off touchdowns right now. He has five touchdowns. It's not sustainable. The yardage isn't there, and the snaps aren't there. So, Would you guys like to share the DM DMs you received about the questions about quarter. No, I'm not going to put somebody on blast like that. Well, no, you don't have to say no. No, but they might listen. And that's if somebody comes to me and asks for advice, I'm not going to. No, no, I'm not even saying put them on blast, but like people, like people are way overreacting and do not trade Christian McCaffrey for Cordell Patterson. The reason, the only reason I mention it, like I have Patterson in a redraft league and. I haven't even like thought about selling him because I just think, oh, nobody's going to buy that. But legit questions are being asked if you, you should sell you, for you CMT. Should, so. You should look to flip. I told somebody this at the gym today who, who asked me for my opinion. You should look to flip Cordell Patterson for somebody who is losing faith in JT, who is losing faith in Antonio Gibson. Maybe you can get James Robinson. Someone like that. Flip. You should not be buying Patterson. You should be trading Patterson for, for someone who has a more concrete role. For sure. Um, Zach Moss, RB13, Matt. Fact or fiction? Fiction. That's, it that's it. I, sh- I should say RB13 and average. He was actually a healthy scratch one week. So that's RB13 yeah. average. It was Singletary one week. He was a healthy scratch another. Then he was the guy this last week. And then Singletary again he next week. Of course, touchdowns, which is nice. It's just so he's not it's like. Just, 
there's no consistency right now. It's really small sample size, four weeks. Like I want to see it at week 12. What are we looking at? Yeah. And does Josh Allen, how many rushing touchdowns does he have this year? Because I think one. Yeah. So like, he's probably going to score more rushing touchdowns too, which is going to, no, he, I don't think he has any. Does he? Oh, he does. He has one. one. Yeah. He has one. One against the, in the blowout win the other day where he rolled. Yeah, that's right. Took it in and it, it was against Miami. So. Sam, Damian Harris, RB38 overall, wide receiver 46 and average points per game. How are you uh, an RB but a wide receiver average? Yeah. I Somebody just, messed up the show sheet, but uh, damn it. <laughs> RB46 <laughs> average. Yeah, I don't I know who writes that. these, but yeah, I, I think it's probably truth. I say, well, 38, probably fiction, but like, I don't know how high I would expect him to go. I don't think he's a very good player and he doesn't do much with when he gets the ball. He can't really run the ball right now. Um, they don't really seem to trust him on passing downs. Um, he'll probably be an RB two and he'll have nice weeks and he'll look good on the ground. But I mean, they have reservations about him. And um, I mean, like, I think you see that when they pull him in key spots. Yeah, I agree. I don't think. I think Matt and I probably, unless you have anything to add, Matt, I think we're probably on the same page there. Um, okay, last one. This one is super interesting for all of us involved. Kenneth Gainwell, RB25, outscores Miles Sanders, RB33 this season. I had Gainwell very high in my pre-draft uh, ranking, so I really like seeing his usage. Obviously, Miles Sanders is is one of Sam's guys. I'll say fiction just because the smart money's on Sanders and – Sanders hasn't scored a touchdown yet, whereas Gainwell has scored a couple, and I think that's probably going to change. But I do think Gainwell is legitimately good, and I do think by the end of the year we could see the snap share closer to a 50-50 than a, what is it, like a 60... 60-30 right now. Yeah, yeah 60-30 right now. I'm going to say fact. Bold take. Yeah, Kenny like Gainwell it. outscores Miles Sanders from this point on. Boom. I know Actually, he's already outscoring Miles Sanders through four weeks. So we'll just say rest of season for the entire there season. You go. Sam? Um, I'll say fa- fiction. Um, I tweeted out the other day, and this is very concerning if you're an Eagles fan. Um, the Eagles have ran the ball with a design 12 times in the past two games, and they've passed the ball 87 times. That You cannot win in the NFL with a 90 to 10 ratio. Um, I don't know. I haven't really watched a whole lot of the, the Eagles games. Like if I'm being completely honest, like I've watched some of them, like I've watched probably about one and a half of each. Um, I just this, like I'll, I'll tell you this, this trying is what... too hard to make his stuff work. And he's not just trusting like fundamental football. Okay. I'll tell you this and you can take this for what it's worth, but he said in a press conference, it was after the Cowboys game when they got railed for running, was it twice, three times, something like that. He said that when he calls an RPO, he counts it as a run, even if Jalen passes. That's uh, so. So because it's a because the the run is is obviously the first option of you know the RPO. Yeah. So he writes it down as like run play, not not necessarily like oh he passed is a pass play, but it's like we called a run play. See, and the thing is, is like I know people are like oh like Miles Sanders is dead and stuff. It's like. 
they've run the ball with him like five times the past two years. And the problem is like, he's still extremely effective when he's touching the football. He's averaging 4.6 yards a carry and nine and a half over the ground, which are over the, uh, over the air. Like he's not like, <laughs> it's not like he's ineffective. Like he's being dynamic when he's touching the football. They're just not committing to like finding the run. And I think might part of it might be like, the Eagles, and I know Matt doesn't agree with this, but the Eagles are so bad that they get behind in every game, so they just got to drop back and throw. I mean, like, that's well, he, possible. He, he only had two carries against Dallas, and they went for 27 yards. Average 13 and a half yards that's per what carry. I'm saying. Like, it blows my, not... like, I just – I people are overreacting in Miles Sanders. Um, I'm – if people are if, – if, if people are out there, like, freaking out, like, go take advantage. I'm like, Miles Sanders can play. They – they have to – they literally cannot keep running the ball or throwing the ball 90% of the time. Yeah, the fact that Gainwell has two rushing touchdowns and Sanders doesn't have any is kind of crazy, but I don't think that necessarily means that, you know, Gainwell, Gainwell's Gainwell not like their goal line back. It's also just had that, a third one called back. And yeah, and one. Penny Gainwell's not a bad player. Like, I loved him pre-draft. I thought he had potentially be a lead back. Like, I think Sanders and Gainwell could easily be like a Chubb-Hunt combo. Like, those guys are football players. They just – they have to run the ball. Like, and Miles Sanders is the better runner of the two. And when they run the ball, it'll be Miles Sanders. It's just two times in one game and then, what was it, four times the next game? Like, that is crazy. In two time, two games, 12 designed runs with your running backs. And that's including Gainwell's carries. Like, that's just not okay in my opinion. Yeah, that's a problem. I will say um, I'm buying into Gainwell's start. I think he's legit. So um, he's a guy I think he's, per- I think he's I've always liked. Third down role, like, you know, PPR leagues, like that James White role, like that's been valuable for every team, you know, like for sure. it'll continue to be valuable um, for, well, I guess any team who has a third down back, to be honest with you. Yep. There's definitely a role for that um, in the NFL. All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, went a little over, but it was a lot of fun playing this factor fiction. We'll have to do more things like that. Cause it's always nice to kind of put these players into perspective and kind of how we're valuing them. And you know, if their starts legit or not kind of give you a glimpse, if you should be buying into these, these players or not. So that'll do it for this week. Um, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts, subscribe there, like the show, leave us a review and come back next week on the Fantasy Scouts podcast where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else. 